And welcome to Rayim Ahuvim. This is Rabbi Yitz Greenfield, MS Marriage and Family Therapy. I am so happy that you are joining me here today. Live show today, Thursday, 11-17. You actually waited for me. <coughs> yes, another day with parking spot problems. But you did wait, and you did not leave, and I do appreciate that. For those of you who are new listeners, here is what we do. We try to be able to empower you with skills and tools to take your marriage to the next step. Really, that's what it's about, taking your marriage to the next step. For those of you never who don't have good marriages, to hope to give you skills and tools to prevent all those machlokas that you are having in your house. We do this not only from a social science perspective, but we use the Torah as our guide, as our benchmark. That's where we start. We start with the Torah. Today is going to be an interesting class, Be'ez Hashem. B'Shem Hashem I want to tell you, I, I, I'm opening up Pandora's box today, yes. I don't know if I'm going to have enough time to finish today's class. And I am not going to be surprised if I get all sorts of feedback at the end of the class. I'm sure Be'ez Hashem positive. And maybe some who are going to try to argue with me, which is fine, which is fine. But what I can tell you is before I did today's class, I actually not only did my research, but I also spoke to some very, very, very chashavat hamidi chachamim and rabbanim. So Be'ez Hashem, we are going to be matzliach. The first thing I want to say today, and this has nothing to do with today's class, <laughs> nothing. Why am I saying this? Because it's just happening to me these days. And I want to tell you, because Baruch Hashem, HaKadosh Baruch me to work with couples to hopefully be able to be a shliach to bring people shalom bias in their homes. I just want to say, for those of you, Nebuch, and I know we're talking about exceptional cases out there who have marriages which are completely, completely out of bounds, which are like, I mean, toxic and poisonous, and you're at the verge of giving up, or if you are listening to someone, you know, here's interesting, by the way, you might not have a bad marriage, but you might know someone who has a bad marriage and they call you and they ask you for your advice, which we have to be very careful with, especially if you're not a professional. And that is that sometimes you hear someone and you're listening to someone and you're like, oh, and they, oh I can't believe she lives with a man like that. If I would have a husband like that, I'd leave in a second. If, or, gentlemen, I can't believe that he has a wife like that. I wouldn't stand her for two, two minutes. Well, you know what? Guess what? Most important thing is that there's always hope. I am telling you. I am telling you. Not because I, oh, yeah, I heard. <laughs> this is the stuff I deal with. There's always hope. And it's not the professional. It's not the counselor. It's not the therapist. It's not, it's not all that. It all starts with a Kaddish Baruch Hu. It starts with our tefillos. It starts with us davening and asking and, and, and begging Hashem. And miracles do happen. Miracles happen in marriages. I see it. I see miracles happening. Obviously, you need shluchim. You need the right shluchim. Marriage counselors, therapists, psychiatrists sometimes. But what I will tell you is that you do see miracles. And uh, I'm privy to some cases right now that I, I, I see a complete 180. Again, I'm not saying that everything is good and it's all going to be guaranteed be good. I'm not even saying that. But what I am telling you is that you see 180s and you should never give up. Now, like this. Okay, I'm trying to think how I start today's class because today's class is so loaded on all ends of the spectrum. It's so loaded. And I know, I know that I'm going to be stepping on some of your toes today. I know. And I apologize in advance for stepping on your toes. 
and getting you, you upset. I'm not talking to most of you. I'm talking about to some of you, but I have to. I have to because I, I see this mentality out there um, with certain couples. And mind me say, yes, mind me say certain men, certain husbands who have certain attitudes in their marriage and they, they don't feel, they're convinced that it's, that it's Ratzon Hashem. They are convinced that this is the way they want Hashem. This, way I want, this is the way Hashem wants them to lead their marriage. This is the way that HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants them to be misnaik, to behave in their marriage with their wives and their children. And they are making such a mistake. I, 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 you know, when I hear men talking like this, I, I literally start seething. I get so upset because this is so the antithesis of what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants. So the antithesis of what Ratzon Hashem is when it comes to a marriage. Okay, like this. Here's, let me, let me give you like a, <laughs> I'm going to give you like a sample conversation, okay? And uh, I'm going to give you an idea of what I hear many times. It's not just one case. Many times. And, and you, maybe you'll get a sense of why it bothers me so much, okay? So I'm talking to this guy, a husband, and he'll tell me something like this. He'll say to me, one second, Rabbi Greenfield, I, I understand that everything you're saying, and you're saying that, you know, I have to be, you know, be nice to my wife and this and that, but at the end of the day, hey, you know, she's my wife. I'm in charge, and she has to listen to me. She has to listen to what I say, because that's what it says. It says it in the Ramam. It says everywhere that she, she has no choice. As a matter of fact, when I got married to her, I made a Kenyan, which is like a certain, I acquired her, and she's mine. She's mine. So ever since the chuppah, and you come on, Rabbi Greenfield, you know the truth. Don't hide it. Come on, don't hide it. You know the truth. The truth of the matter is, is that, she, that, is that the man is in charge. The man really is the master in his home. He's the master. And, and I'm not saying my wife is my servant, but at the end of the day, she has to listen to me. And, you know, if I say something, if I stipulate something in the house, if I bring forth something in the house, she has to listen. If I ask her for certain things, she has to listen. So she argues, argues, argues. And you know, Rabbi Gabriel, yeah, yeah, you're going to tell me today equal rights and, and liberalism and, and women on the same playing field. But come on, come on, come on. You know the Torah doesn't, doesn't hold like that. The Torah doesn't hold like that. The Torah holds that it's the man who's in charge. He's the master. He's the king of his house. You see, many times it talks about said the word master is used, the word king is used. Rabbi Gabriel, at the end of the day, you know, uh, you know, after all your nicety niceties, at the end of the day, she has to listen to me. And if I say something, she has to listen. She has to follow my orders. I'm sorry to be so straight with you, Rabbi Gainfield, but this is the way it is. And I want to tell you, I hear this not just once. I hear this many times from men. And I'm telling you, it puts my hair on end. It gets me so upset because this is so the antithesis of what a Kodesh Baruch Hu wants in a marriage. It's the antithesis. Completely, okay, it's just the opposite, but the antithesis. And let me, let me explain you where they're getting this from. I want to do a little, you know, we're going to do a little, you know, um, text. We're going to do a lot of text and content, and then we're going to analyze, then we're going to assess, and then hopefully we're going to come with some sort of structure that you'll be able to apply in your own home, which will lead to real kedusha in your house. Kedusha is kedushin, kedusha in your house, as opposed to like rulers and subjugators and servants and slaves. I know I'm being a little strong over here, but believe you me, there are some households, even today, that are being run like that. And then the men are surprised why they don't have Shalom bias in their house. Okay. You have to hear me from the beginning of the end because I know as I'm talking right now, I'm stepping on some of your toes. I, I realize that. 
And, and some of the, I, I can imagine some of the women who are listening to me are thinking, oh, wow, yeah, Greenville, go, go, go. But you know what? I, I, I know that it's, it's, I got a Baruch Hashem, Hold Hashem, we have a big crowd out there. And I know I'm stepping on some of your toes. Some of you feel like, what do you mean, Greenfield? What do you mean? I'll, I'll show you so many quotes in the Gemara and Chazal. And okay. Let's talk about it. Let, let's start with the Rambam, because that's like, you know, the most authoritative when it comes to, to these things. And this is Halacha. Ram, what does Rambam say? I'm quoting over here, okay? I'm quoting. First of all, the, the, the Torah, it says, it says, Al Kain Yazov Ishes Avavisima Vadovak Be Ishtov Hayu Labasar. I just want you to understand this, okay? It says, Al Kain Yazov Ishes Avavisima Vadovak Be Ishtov Hayu Labasar Echad. Just understand, it doesn't say Al Kain Yazov Ishes Avavisima, Viyam Melech Al Ishto, Umal Al Ishto, Viachsar Bebeso. Doesn't say that. So hopefully that like sort of creates a certain theme over there. Okay, fine. Uh, and the Zora Valdo Dit Malkin Yazavishovagomer Ihistabakas baby who she should cling to him and he to her. Hopefully we're setting like like a theme, like you know, like a base, a baseline. And now I am gonna quote some of the stuff that some of it, you know, you might say it's controversial, not controversial, but you really have to understand what it's saying. If if you don't understand what it's saying, it could be misinterpreted. Listen to this. Yeah, I'll say it like this. It says, the Rambam. This is Hilchas Yishas Tesva. V'chein tzivu hala'isha. And so they commanded on the women. Shetia mechabedes ezbala. She should honor her husband. B'yoser midai. Exceedingly. V'yiye alea mora mimenu. And he should have, and she should have awe. From him, vetase kol al piv, and she should do all that she's doing through what he says. be'eneha, and he should be in her high in her eyes, kimoisar, like a like a officer, oimelech, or a king. Maleches betayvas liboy, she should go with where his heart desires. And she should stay away from what he from what he hates. This is the way of the Benos Yisrael, Ubene Yisrael, Hakadoshim, the holy ones, Vatahorim, and the pure ones, Bizivugan, in their in their zivug. Ubedrachem elu in these way, Yiye Yeshuva Noe Umishubach. Their Yeshuvan they sit, it will be Noe, it will be pleasant, and it will be Mishubach, and it will be Mishubach. So, 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 one second, Rabbi Greenfield, you just told me, hey, you listen to what you're saying. It doesn't it say, it says, Sar, Melech, Melech, Tavis, Libai, Tasekol, Masel, Piv. Sounds like these guys, Rabbi Greenfield, it sounds like these guys are right. They're telling you, the drama doesn't say, it says, I mean, the man's charge to be the king of the house, king of the castle, huh? No? Okay. Let's go on. What else do we see? Where else do we see things like this? Um... We see, we see in Tehillim. This is the way the Jewish men that honor and support their wives in truth, as stated in the Jewish marriage contract. He, honor, he honors her. Okay, that's actually, excuse me. Listen, daughter, and consider and incline your ear. This is Tehillim. This is Tehillim. Yud Chaf Lamed. Mem Hey. Mem Hey. Yud Aleph and Yud Beis. I'm going to translate in English. Listen, daughter, and consider and incline. Listen, daughter, and consider and incline your ear. Forget your own people and your father's house, and the king will desire your beauty because he is your master. 
He is your master. Whoa, these are pretty strong language. It sounds like this is what it's saying in Tehillim, really, that it's the master. Doesn't that seem like what it says? Let me give you something else over here. Let me see if I can find it here. Hold on. Hold on. I'm so happy that you have patience with me today. Hold on. Okay. And that is like this. See this here. Hold on. Let's see what we got here. Okay. 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 This is when a Gadol was telling his wife was telling his was telling his daughter who's getting married and he was giving her directions he was giving her directions listen to, hey Rabbi Victor Miller there cannot be two kings the marriage relationship is twofold this is not only Jewish but natural there can be no harmony when there are two commanders without this indispensable condition the home is disorder right it says in Megillah Arrogance is unbecoming of woman. For a man is not an ornament, but for a woman it is as if she wore a mustache. I, I, again, this is actually supposedly, I, I haven't read this, was, you could check this out, Victor Miller, Awake My Glory, that this is, this is brought down. And he says more, by the way, and I'm not going to the more, and that's why you really have to hear things in context. And if you're just going to shut me off right now, and you'll be like, okay, I'm feel thank you, I'm good. Whoa, whoa, that's not good. That's not good at all, as a matter of fact, that can be very, very dangerous. That could be very, very dangerous. Okay. Now, the other issue here, the other issue is the issue of the man's responsibility. Hold on. Let's see if I can find this over here. I don't find what I'm looking for. I'm looking for how Gadol spoke to his to his daughter and told her what a good marriage is all about. That I'm looking for that. Okay, here's another one. Rav Tzadok, 17a asks, What is the merit that the woman have to achieve in the world to come? What's, what's the merit that a woman has in Olam Haba? The reason this is a question, that women don't have a mechanic, well, he explains over here, they don't have a mechanic of self-perfection. But what does it talk about? It talks about, it talks about, that what? Through their husbands and their children, taking care of them and sending them to learn Torah. And that's the way the woman earns a share in Olam Haba. You hear this? That's the way, and Mark Suvis says, a woman asks for a staff in her hand while alive and, and a spade for her burial. In other words, her faults and imperfections are completed by the actions of others. Thus she, per, thus she draws perfection from them and her defining nature is being controlled or taken care of by others. This is actually a commentary that someone says here. It might be a Tzaddik, I'm not even sure. But we see here through many, there's actually a very strong one here, the Menorah Sama'ar, um, this is very strong. Okay, uh, should, I, uh, should I say this? I might say it. You have to understand what he really means. Even though the woman is the maid of the man, she should not view her husband as an equal. She should not view her husband as an equal, but rather as her master, as it says in Tehillim, because he is your master, and you should, and you, because he is your master. 
Now, this sounds like very, very strong language. And I actually, this morning, I spent some time with a Chasheva Talmud Chachem. You can text me later if you want, who was a very big Talmud Chachem and a big Rav, actually. And I, and I schmoozed with him about it because I wanted to get it right. I really wanted to get it right. And as, we're looking, as you're listening to me with all these very, very strong language, very strong language about the role of the husband and the role of the wife, and the hierarchy that should be in the house where he sounds like he should be the king and the ruler and she should be subjugated to what he says and what he wants. So it sounds like very, very strong. I know some of you are thinking, I know I have a big crowd here. Some of you are thinking, hey, it's, not, it's actually male chauvinism. We have to be very careful of that because these are Gemaras, these are Gedalim. So you have to know what they're talking about. So what are they talking about? So before we move on, let's talk about some other stuff and sources that it says. Let's go back to the Ramah because in, in your... It, those of you who are listening to me who run households like this, who have been empowered with what I just said, I want you to listen now to the first part of the Ramah. And so did the sages command. That a man should honor his wife more than himself. And he should love her as himself. Does that sound like a ruler to you or a king? And if he has money, he adds money for her good, according to how much money he has. He should not place on her a special, like extra fare. And when he speaks to her, he should speak to his wife calmly. He should not be sad and he should not be angry. Whoa, well, now it's shifting. Now it sounds like it's shifting over here. This is the same Rambam, by the way. So what happened to the king and the ruler? What, 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 just, what just happened over there? Okay, let's move on to something else. Um, Baba Metziah, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on a second here. Go to cancel it. Okay. Baba Metziah. Baba Metziah, daf. I believe it is. A person should I'm translating. A person should always be careful not to embarrass his wife because she readily cries and therefore he will be punished for distressing her. The Gemara states that all the heavenly gates are locked except for the gate of distress. From this they say that if a man wants to have domestic tranquility, all that he does with his possession and feeding his family and providing them with clothing, it should be done according to the advice of his wife. A person should also be careful with household expenditures because disputes usually involve financial issues. But if you take a look at the Gemara over here, the Gemara is like, whoa, this seems like, sounds like a 180 over here. A person should be careful not to embarrass his wife, take advice from his wife. So you're supposed to take advice from your wife and you're not supposed to take advice from your wife. What's, what's the deal with this? Do you listen to her? She has to listen to you. What's going on? Who's in charge of the house? Who's in charge of the house? Well... Like this, there's an interesting gum, uh, okay, actually, let, let's take a couple of snacks back, and I actually spoke to someone about this this morning. I want to mention his name, but I don't, I don't, you know, I don't know if he wants me to mention his name, but Chashu Tamil Chacham told me like this. You know you say a bracha, Baruch Atah Hashem, Elokeinu Melech Alam, Asher Kiddishanu B'mitzvah Vitzivanu. Kiddishanu, Kiddishanu, what does Kiddishanu mean? Kiddishanu has the same root of Kiddush, Kiddushin. It's the same root. And explain me a beautiful, beautiful thing. Uh, he said like this. He said that, you know, people think that the Kenyan, when a man makes a Kenyan, 
He's buying something. It's like a Kenyan mammon. So when he, he, when he gets married to his wife, he, he, he bought her. He made a Kenyan. And now she's her, his, in a certain sense, obviously it's not really his property, but in a certain sense, she's his mammon. She's his possession, you know? So I got my car. I got my computer. I got my house. And I got my wife. And it's sort of like a, like she's my wife. It's like, yeah, come on, Rabbi Greenfield. At the end of the day, we know, come on, I, I made a Kenyan. She's mine. Well, that's a very big mistake because the Kenyan is not a Kenyan mamon. The Kenyan is actually a Kenyan Isser. Kenyan Isser is a little bit different. And what that is, is by this Kenyan, in essence, the agreement is that she's now forbidden on, for every other man. And that's what it is. It's sort of like a boundary that was set. That's really what it was. It's not a king in a, in a, in a fact where, you know, you're saying that, that, okay, you know what? She's mine. I could do whatever I want with her because we know good and well, Gemara speaks about it, that if chas v'shalma man hurts his wife, if chas v'shalma man damages his wife in a, in a, in a chas v'shalma, chas v'chalila in an abusive marriage where he causes harm to her. And even if, by the way, not only intentionally, if a man causes harm, physical harm to his wife unintentionally, he has to pay her. Yeah, he has to pay her. He, he, he actually is responsible to pay her. What do you mean? She's yours. First of all, for sure, for sure, she's not yours in a sense like a slave. For sure, for sure, for sure, she's not yours in a sense that a master, she's your servant. The Kenyan only means that you have placed or together there was an agreement made that she has a Kenyan Isser. That means she is now forbidden to any other man and she's exclusive now to you. There's no question about it. There's an exclusivity. There's a connection. There's a bus or echad right now. But it should not be taken in a form of a Kenyan that it, she's now yours and you own her. You don't own your wife in any which way. In any which way. So what, so what does it mean? The Raman says everything. Kiddishanu is the same relationship that we have with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Because when we say Asher Kiddishanu, we're talking to Hashem. We use the same language. The language of Kadosh, which is Kiddishanu. You sanctified us. That's what we do in a relationship with your wife. When you got married to your wife under the chuppah, ladies, listening to this, it was a sanctification. It was holiness. It's a spiritual connection. It's not subjugation. It's not dominance. It's not servitude. You know what it is? It is a, it's a spiritual connection. It's certain kedusha. Now, whatever you imagine you towards a Kaddish Baruch Hu, our relationship as Klal Yisrael, towards a Kaddish Baruch Hu. We are privileged. We are privileged to have a Kedusha, to be Mekudosh by a Kaddish Baruch Hu. We got married to Hashem in a certain sense. And that's the way we have to look at it. It's a privilege. It's not a subjugation or a servitude or, you know, you better listen to what I say, woman. No, it doesn't work like that. Instead, what it is, is the relationship that we have with a Kaddish Baruch Hu. And I heard something even more beautiful. This is actually from the Gra. A Mishle. He says there's a very big difference between a Melech and a Moshel. A Melech is someone who is rightfully equal to his subject. You hear this? Equal to his subjects. Same level. Do you hear me? A Melech is someone who is rightfully equal to his subject. But that the subjects accepted his role as king. They subjugate themselves to him because they decide they want to listen to him. They want to be there for him. The Moshel is someone who pushes himself into a position to rule over others by force or pressure. 
Now, it's worth to know that many of the references that address male dominance position refer to the husband as Melech, not Moshel. There's no such thing as a Moshel. Now, the explanation obviously is obvious. So the wife that, that subjugates herself to the direction of the husband, not the process that the husband oppressing his wife to be the superior. Man, I hope you're listening to this. You are not to walk into your home and to say, I am the king and you better listen to me. And you know how I know this? Because that's not what the Ramam says to you. The Ramam says that you have to res- love your wife and respect her more than you respect yourself. Do you get it? And I'm sorry for being so tough. I don't really mean giving you muster today. But I'm talking to those husbands who think that they can just walk into the house and tell their wife, I need to do this, I need to do that, and how come this is not over here? And I ask you, and how come you didn't take care of this? And, it's, I, I, and I don't understand. It's like these over-the-top expectations of your wife where she is like your subject and you have dominance over, that's really male chauvinism in essence. That's what it is. And that's not what the Torah wants. That's not what the Torah wants. And we see this throughout, especially the Rambam himself who starts off, because you guys always skip to the next part of the Rambam, but why don't you take, take a look at the first part of the Rambam? And the first part of the Rambam is basically saying that this woman who you're controlling and you're coming in and you're saying to her, I don't understand you. How come you're not doing what I told you to do? Do you hear this? Yes, there are some men who talk like that. I don't understand. I told you to do this. Why don't you do this? This is what I said we're going to do here. This is the way we're running our household. That's a ruler. It's not a king. That's a ruler. That's not the Melch that we're talking about. And you know how I know this? Because you, we all say it in Myriv. You know what we say? This is what we say. You know his kingdom willingly I accepted it upon myself. It's not a hierarchy where he comes into the house and he's just the king of the castle and tells you what to do and you gotta follow his instruction. It's a certain hachna. It's a hachna that a wife has to her husband, not as a Moshel, not as a dictator, because she says to him, you know what? I am going to be machnia to you. And let me go, before you jump on me on this one, by the way, I'm going to be machnia to you because that's what I want. I want to feel taken care of by you. I'm, I, I'm going to be machnia because I, I, want, I want to feel that you're the leader. And that's the key word over here. The key word here is not ruling, subjugating, and even, and even king, because the word king is not a good word. It's not a good translation of when it says malach. It, 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 it's, not, it's not a good word. You know what it is? It's, I am accepting myself because I love you and I care about you. You're my husband. And the same way on the Shabbos table, you sit at the head of the table, right? Same way. And I'm not, you know, for those of you who are like getting upset at me now and saying, oh, Rebbe Greenfield, you know, women's rights. It's nothing to do with women's rights. We know good and well that there's, that there's, that when, Reb, oh, let's go back to actually to, to, to Ravigda Miller. No, actually, let me go back to Ravigda Miller. Hold on, let me just find this. Hold on. Ravigda Miller. I was going to find this. Okay. Yes, Ravigda Miller does say that there cannot be two kings. The marriage relationship is twofold. Right? It's only natural. There can be no harmony when there are two commanders. There's no question about it. Understood. Understood. But you know what he writes after that? Equally essential foundation, a man must always demonstrate respect for his wife. This is the way of Jewish men that honor and support their wives in truth. As stated in the Jewish marriage contract, he honors her more than his own body. Yevamis, nun beis 
um, no, Samach Beis Amad Beis, and Baba Metzia Nun Tes Amad Aleph. You know how he writes? He's the captain, but she's the first mate, who is counselor respected. She cannot be made a doormat. She need not beg for money. She deserves some assistance in the house chores, and the husband sides with her against his kin. He must express frequent appreciation and give words of encouragement. He should remember his wife from time to time with gifts, big or little. Husband and wife should always say please and thank you and never forget to always be polite to each other. Do you hear this? This is Rabbi Vigdor Miller, the same one who said that there cannot be two kings in the house. And let me just explain it to you a little bit better because I think this will, this will really encapsulate it. I want you to think of it as a pilot and a co-pilot. That's really what I want you to think about it. Think about the airplane. You walk on the airplane. First of all, the pilot is a distinguished individual. He has a certain self-confidence, assertiveness. It, you know, I haven't seen female pilots. I'm not sure they're female pilots. But the point, the pilot has a certain sense of self. A certain, he demands a certain amount of respect. Now, he has a co-pilot. And I want to tell you something. His co-pilot takes over sometimes. Yeah, his co-pilot takes much over. But at the end of the day, there's one person in charge. And the person in charge of that plane is the pilot. When you see the pilot, you're not going to go to him and you're going to say, you know, treat him with disrespect because he's, he's flying your plane. He's flying your plane. If he wants, he could make it nice and bumpy, God forbid, right? But the point of the matter is, that's really what it is. Your marriage, you have to picture it as a plane, a flight, okay? You're taking a flight together. And there's a pilot and a co-pilot. Yes, there's no question about it that the Ramam does say that, that in, order for the, in order to motivate, and here's the key word here, in order to motivate your wife to give you what you, it, sorry, take that back. In order to motivate your husband to give him motivation, to give him what you need. And what do you need, ladies? I'll tell you what you need. You want to feel loved. You want to feel cared about. You want to feel respected. You want to feel connected. You want to feel connected to your husband? You want to feel that he cares about you? Yeah. Yeah, you don't have to be in charge, but you want to feel that he's, he respects what you have to say, right? You don't sit at the head of the table on Shabbos either. There's a certain, there's, we could say there's a certain hierarchy, but that's, that's not dominance. That's not control. That's not, uh, it's my way or the highway. And the men that are hanging their hats on this, I am telling you that you are creating a, poisonous and toxic environment in your house. You know, maybe this used to work for you in the olden days. Maybe this used to work. <laughs> yeah, maybe in the olden days it used to work. Not that Hashem wanted it. Don't get me wrong. Not that Hashem wanted it. Look at the Rambam. Honor her more than yourself. Does that sound like, like a king, a ruler that you're thinking about? No, right? So, yes, there is a certain whatever it is. And believe you me, gentlemen, I want to tell you something. Your wife wants to feel taken care of. She wants to feel like you're there. For she wants you to be the knight in shining armor. You think she wants to go out with you and for you to look at her and say, oh, where are we going out? Where are we going? i like to know where we're going. You think she wants it to be Chalamoid where you come to her and, say, and ask her, okay, so where are we going for Chalamoid? You think she likes that? Do you think that she wants to leave the Shabbos table? Do you think that that's what your wife wants? That she wants to leave the Shabbos table? No, there's clearly, there are clear roles. We're not saying there aren't roles. Yes, there's certain leadership roles that you have. But take a look at the last Gadoladar that we had. Rav Moshe, okay? Take a look. Okay, I'm not saying Gadol, I'm not comparing one Gadol to another Gadol. Obviously, we have Gadol today also. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying that, okay? And, and, and Chacham Avad Yosef was a Gadol of his father. I'm not saying Chacham I'm not comparing anything. But I want to take a look, for example, Rav Moshe, right? He was the biggest Torah giant. He could have done what, 
he could have like literally held of himself, controlled, controlled people who came to him, my way or the highway, do it my way. Well, think about Rav Moshe for a second, okay? Sarha Torah, Rav Moshe, okay? The last Golosh you know what Rav Moshe was? Let me tell you Rav Moshe. Rav Moshe was Anav Mikol. He was the biggest Anav. He was the biggest Anav. We know the stories. Tell you the stories where someone came around. And, uh, right, Rav Moshe came over. In the base management, Moshe came over to a stranger to give him a Shalom Aleichem. Here you have Rav Moshe, the God Ladar, and he's walking over to a stranger to give him a Shalom Aleichem. Okay? With all his knowledge and all his Torah and everything, he came to give a Shalom Aleichem to a stranger. The stranger story goes, that the stranger thought that he's coming to collect money for tzedakah. That's what the stranger thought. So the man took out a dollar and he gave it to Rav Maisha. He thought he was collecting tzedakah and Rav Maisha didn't want to embarrass him. So Rav Maisha goes around to the base manager to collecting more tzedakah. The Gadol Adar. The Gadol Adar. So men who are listening to this who think that you are the ruler in your house, you are the king of your castle, this is what the Kaddish Baruch Hu wants, think about what the Gadol Adar did. Think about what the Gadol Adar did. And he had all the power that he, that he could have had. He could have completely used and amused, abused his power. But he didn't. But he didn't. And I could give you case after case of G'daylim who respect their wives, who honor their wives, who are there for wives. This is not about roles of leadership. I understand that you sit at the head of the table. Your wife wants you to sit at the head of the table. Your wife wants you to lead the Shabbos table. She sings miras with the kids. She wants you to lead. She wants you to lead with the Dvar Torah. She wants you to lead when you, you guys go out on a date. She wants you to have found a place to go already. She wants to be t- felt taken care of. She wants to give you that. She would love to give you that. But not chas v'shalom in a way where you become a ruler. Not in a way where you become a ruler. And, and, and I, I, I want to go a little bit weiter with this. I know this is a very sensitive subject. I'm so sorry if, if I'm stepping on people's toes. But I'm just saying, I'm saying what I, what, what, and again, this is not just what I'm saying. I actually... Did have a discussion this morning, the big Talmud about this, just to make sure that I'm on, you know, I'm, uh, uh, that we're all on the same page with this. And it's like this, gentlemen, <clears throat> gentlemen. For those of you gentlemen out there who are listening to me right now, who are walking into your houses and complaining and attacking and criticizing, and 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 demanding all these demands, this is not what the Torah wants of you. Now, ladies, I, I, I'm sorry, I don't want to start with you, but I'm going to be honest with you. For those of you ladies who are treating your husbands as complete equals, meaning you're demanding and you're (coughs) complaining and you're criticizing and you're blaming, that's not what the Torah wants. And let me tell you a little secret. Let me tell you a secret. The world at large is starting to see this, starting to know this, that there's no question about it. If you give your husband respect, if you treat him as a king, truly treat him as a king, and I'm not talking about treating your husband who's a ruler in, in your house as a king. Because, you know, like we say, there's something that you have to take upon yourself, ladies. And I'm not going to tell you, you know, treat your husband as a king when he's a tyrant. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not saying that. But all I'm saying is when he's not a tyrant, when he's just, for lack of a better term, behaving, and he's just being himself, treat him as a king. Treat him as a king. Treat him as a sar. Not one that oh, you're his servant and you're on his beck and call. But give him the honor, whether that means to serve him dinner and to ask him if he wants a drink, whether it means to, to say to the kids, quiet, Tati's talking right now, please. When Tati talks, whether it means to say to the kids, Tati takes first in Shabbos table. First, first Tati, give Tati first, let him have the first the salad and the fish or whatever it is. If that's the way he feels as a king, that's important for him. All these things to treat him 
whether your husband's looking for his keys. And not to say to your husband, oh, your keys is wherever you left them last time. To think, no, this is my king. I'm going to look for him. For, I'm going to look for him for the, for the, for the, um, I'm going to look for the, for the keys for you. You lost your keys? Let me find your keys. Let me find you. You're my king. And you can even say to him, you're my king. And I want to tell you something. Don't be scared to say that to him. Don't be scared to say that to him. Because if you treat him as a king, naturally most husbands will treat you as a queen. And it really is, you know, it's no one's better than the other. I'm not saying that he's better than you. It's just a covet that, uh, if a man gets that covet, if he gets that covet and he feels like his wife really treats him with respect and dignity, he's not getting it a lot from his work. He's not getting it, he's not getting it necessarily those of you who husbands are in Kolel. They might not be getting it in Kolel. They might not, you know, they're getting bills, they're getting hit on, they're getting, they're getting a lot of pressures, a lot of pressures out in their lives and not being treated with respect. So when you treat him with respect and really treat him as a king, and you even say, you know, your husband, I want to tell you, you're my king. He's not, and he's not going to take advantage of it. And if he does, obviously, then you could, you know, unking him, okay? Uncrown him. But I am telling you, it's very, very important to treat your husband in that type of manner, give him the honor and respect. It'll, it'll motivate him to give you what you need to spend quality time with you, to have, to, to, he, he's going to feel loved. That's what he's going to feel loved and he'll be able to reciprocate that love to you and he'll appreciate that. And he'll say, thank you, I really appreciate it. And yes, men, if your wives are treating you as kings, you don't just, oh, okay. Nothing, they don't have to do anything for you. Do you get it? You don't have to do anything. That, they have to. They're doing it because that's what Kashbah wants them to do it. So there can't be these expectations. It's the role of the woman, like the Ramam says, to treat her husband like a king, like a Tsar. But it's also the role of the husband to treat his wife with more respect than he has for himself and to love her like himself. And then there's respect. And then you have like the Kedusha in your house. The Kedusha permeates in your house. Now I want to say something else. We don't really have much time to talk about this. But let me see here on the schedule here. Thank you for listening, by the way. This is a live show Thursday, 12-8. Some of you might be listening to it Monday. But let me just see how much time we have over here. Okay, fine. No, okay, get this. I want to mention something else. There are roles. There are roles. There are definitely roles. I'm going to quote you a Gemara here. Bab Metziah. I'm going to translate for you. 59-8. You have to hear the whole Gemara. And don't get upset in the beginning, okay? Rav said that whoever follows his wife's advice will go to Gehenim. As we learn from Achav, who followed his wife, Isabel's advice, and that led to thing. Whoa, whoa, that's a strong statement over there. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We'll hear the end of the Gemara before you get all, all excited here. Rav Papa objected to Abaya by noting there's a folk expression. If you have a short wife, bend down to hear her whisper. Take her advice. So what's going on over here? You just said you shouldn't listen to your wife. You go to Gehenim and hear... And here you're saying that you, you should listen to your wife. This is not a contradiction, the Gemara says. It's only problematic to listen to a wife's advice in matters of religion, while it is desirable to listen to her in worldly matters. And it's a machlok, because later on the Gemara says that, um, that, actually, that actually in matters of religion, you should listen to the husband. And Mili de Shemaya and Mili de Besa, Mili de Besa, you should listen to your wife. And I, I want to tell you something. I want to tell you like this. Unquestionably, when it comes to household matters, the kitchen, the house, the drapes, the, the, the house, the house, the paint is peeling, your wife's asking you, please, whatever, and you're like, 
Sorry, I'm not doing it. I'm the ruler over here. No, 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 no. Mili de Besa, quote Basmelch Panima. Very important to listen to your wife. On the other hand, comes to Mili de Shemaya. Mili de Shemaya could be different, but there's no absolutes. And let me tell you why there's no absolutes. Because I had a guy who was saying to me, yeah, you know, these men who, who help their wives, you know, give the baby baths. Can you imagine this husband? He helps his wife give the baby a bath and he helps his wife with diapers and stuff like that. Okay, there's no question about it. I'm not, not going to play games. Obviously, there are roles, roles of a woman. There's a role of a man. But guess what? The role of a man, you have to provide your wife with food, clothing, and ona. That's in the ksuva. You like it, you don't like it. That's your responsibility. Your wife doesn't have to go out to work. She doesn't. She doesn't. She goes out to work for you. That's great. And, and get me. And, and also understand something else. Women who are listening to me, who are about to tell their husbands they don't want to go out to work anymore, you, you can't function today's age with many. You, you you cannot have a normal household without a dual income. We live in a world that there's so many expenses. Yeah, you need a dual income. Many of you. I'm not saying all of you. Many of you need a dual income. But Frankly speaking, it's the responsibility of the husband. But now that she's crossing that boundary, and I'm not saying she shouldn't or she should, you could speak to your up. It's not a class on this right now. It is your responsibility, gentlemen. She's crossing those boundaries. You're, you're going to need to cross your boundaries too. And if she's going to come home and go to the next shift. And can I know her? You have seven kids and a half, one on the way. She can't do this all herself. She needs your help. She needs your help. She's working. You want it both to work and to take care of the kids? It, 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 what do you want from her? So, you know, crossing boundaries. And even if she's not working, we still cross boundaries. Akash Baruch still wants us to cross boundaries and to help your wife and to be there for your wife. Ladies, I'm talking to you as well. I'm sorry. Crossing boundaries at the other end, yes. Crossing boundaries. Sometimes you have to go out to work. I'm not saying you have to. It's not like halacha shir over here. I'm not saying halacha shir. But what I am saying is that's what's called for these days. Obviously, there's, there's a certain understanding that if I'm going to go out to work, then I'm going to need a cleaning lady. Okay, I can't clean the house and go out to work. Some husbands, no, you're going to do both. No, you can't do both. You can't expect a woman to both clean and take care of the kids and to work and to prepare Shabbos and, and, and everything else, right? So there's, there's a give and take. So if you're crossing boundaries, you have to cross boundaries at both ends. That's what I'm saying. There's one other thing that I want to say here. Let me see how much time I have here. Okay. Well, I know it's a loaded subject, so much to talk about. And it's like this. And that's like this. I have to be careful when I say this, and this might run over time, but it's so important for me to say this. Make sure to stay within the perimeters of your role. No matter what, make sure you're in the perimeters of your role. If you're going to overextend, not extend yourself, overextend yourself and go in past the boundary way, way, way deep into, into his part of the world or her part of the world, that's not going to be good. And I'll tell you why. First of all, for a man, the reason for a man is not good is because he's, he's just going to become, if a man becomes the woman, the dishes, the laundry, the this, the that, the other thing, it, it, it loses a certain sense of what a Baruch wants in the marriage. I'm not saying you shouldn't help. Don't get me wrong. Of course you help. It's unhealthy, and I've seen in certain marriages, when the man becomes the shemata in the house, ultimately what happens is your wife is going to lose respect for you. And I have to be so careful with what I'm saying this because a lot of men are listening to me, oh, yeah, okay, I'm not doing dishes anymore. No, no, I'm not doing that. I, I, I know a chashavid who cleans the toilets every Arab Shabbos. If you know who he is, very, very chashavid, cleans the toilets every Shabbos. I'm not saying that. 
But I'm saying if you're going to pass the boundary, like jump into the other person's domain, it's not good. Not for the men and not for the women. The, not for the women to all of a sudden become the breadwinner, unless a Kaddish Baruch arranged that way and you have no choice. But just not to, to create a situation which is she becomes the breadwinner and he becomes the housewife. It's not healthy. It's not healthy. There are roles. There is a certain hierarchy. But we are on an even playing field. Meaning we have to respect. We have to love. We have to care. We have to, we have to be there for our wives. For I'm talking really to the men for our wives. And we have to remember that what? It's all about Kedusha, holiness. And believe you me, coming into the home like a tyrant, attacking, criticizing, and blaming either wife or husband, that's not Kedusha. That's that, not Tuma. It's worse than Tuma. It's poison. It's toxic. Thank you for listening. This has been Rabbi Yitz Greenfield. Questions, comments, feedback, 917-397-2841. 917-397-2841. Thank you for listening. Have an amazing, amazing day.